0: Hey everyone, we're listening to the Modern Farm and Artisan Co-op podcast. We are your hosts, Kat and Anna, and we are here connecting you to the lives and stories of our local farmers, makers, and educators that are all dedicating themselves to powerfully and positively impacting the Southern Utah community
1: before we get started take a moment to subscribe to this podcast so you can stay up to date on new episodes and if you haven't already please leave us a rating or review on itunes we would greatly appreciate it and if you have the means consider supporting us on patreon even if it's only two dollars a month it makes a world of difference and as a thank you you'll receive a shout out on the show Another way you can support us is checking out our brick and mortar store at 55 North Main in
0: downtown St. George. Follow us on Instagram at Utah to stay up to date on all the exciting things we are up to in the store, on the farm, and on the podcast. So, today we're talking to Kirsten Madsen of MPE Designs, and she, you actually do a lot of stuff. You do metalwork, you do jewelry, you do, your husband does some stuff under the same banner. He does woodwork, and there was another one. What else do you do?
2: Um, my husband's also a metal fabricator, so he does right. um, hand forged steel yeah. pieces for people's homes, um, smaller things like bottle openers. Mm -hmm. Just, I mean, we are a a family of people like to make. Yeah.
0: That's cool. And that's part of your slogan too, or that was part of the reason why you made the brand is because everybody in your family creates under this one brand. So that's kind of cool. And uh, you have stickers and you also do your art um, and that's all in the, in the co-op. So uh, let's start out with your background and how you got here today, fun tidbit. Kirsten and I actually grew up in Billings together. (laughs) So when I ran into her down here, I was like, what? Anyway, but yeah, so let's get your point of view and your story, so what's your background and and how did you end up in St. George in the
2: co-op? Um, So ever since I can remember, I loved drawing. I mean, that's how it all starts, you know, as children, we all just get those crayons, those markers, you know, if your mom and dad allow you to use markers and you just draw. And I also remember being a handful for my mom. My mom and my sister loved, um, and they still love, and they make um, beautiful music, um, singing. And my mom used to teach piano. She now just does vocal lessons. And um, they still enjoy um, theater and everything very much as well. And I remember what I loved most about any of that was going and being a part of theater and then really seeing the creative process and understanding that as a child was really neat to be in a home that way. Um, But my creative process was visual art. Um, and I remember specifically always wanting to learn how to draw better. And we had a set of encyclopedias at our house and I took it upon myself to start with the letter A and I, I read them. I just wanted to fi- figure out just about things and I would draw that way. And I would go to my mom and ask her to help me to draw and she would look at me, she's like, Kirsten, I can't, I, I don't know how. I don't know where you got this from, but I can't even draw. (laughs) And I so I kind of am self-taught in that way. And I just kept doing it and had parents that supported me. And I just remember throughout you know, growing up, that they started sending me to um, after-school art classes, and I remember there would be a summer camp down in Texas where I was born. I remember the smell of this, um, it was a barn out, I don't remember where, I'd have to ask them, and the smell of the place where we'd wash out our paintbrushes and all of these things, and I have all these very distinct experiences just being creative, and I knew from very young age I wanted to keep doing that in that sense of making something outside myself I really liked it so jump forward like Kat said I have moved a little bit my dad moved us for work quite a bit we ended up in Billings Montana and um my let's see senior year of high school, we, I had gained enough credits. I could pick some extra classes and I knew I wanted to pick art because up to that point, you didn't really have a choice. And at the high school I went to, there was an option for a jewelry making class, which I thought was really cool. I hadn't done a lot, um, in 3d, um, other than, you know, just playing with Play-Doh or doing coil pots. I mean, just really basic stuff. And I was like, Ooh, I want to see what this is about because I heard from, um, friends and other people had already graduated that the teacher was really awesome and it was a fun class. And so I started working in metals like copper, worked in copper in that class. And I learned really quickly that I liked um, designing. And I liked creating something more permanent than just something on paper, an actual like object, a thing. And that's how I began making jewelry. And so when I graduated high school, um, I knew exactly what I wanted to go into, and that was fine art. And I knew in Montana which school I should go to, but I put that in bunny ears, was um, up in Missoula. Cause that's where most of the artists were, you would go if you wanted to do art. And I got in, but I didn't get any scholarships, and I was kind of like, okay, I could still go. You know, I get in state tuition, that's great. Well, then I looked outside the state down to Casper College in Casper, Wyoming. That's where my mom had gone and got a vocal degree at, at the community college there. and My sister had gone there, and I was like, I don't want to go, because my mom my sister went. <laughs> I want to be my own person. And well, I went, they looked at my portfolio, and what was awesome about that school is that they had a really good medals program. And they also had a good sculpture program as well for being so small. And when they saw everything that I had been working metal in high school, they were like, We want you here. You should come here, you know. And I got some scholarships. Um, surprisingly enough, they were in um, vocal scholarships because of my, I guess the alumni being my mom and my sister and being the singers. And so I had to do choir classes, but you you could sing too.
0: Yeah. I remember that. No, you can sing too. Like that was it. You did not get a vocal scholarship (laughs) because of your mom.
2: Well, no, you had to audition. You had to be in choirs and it was kind of fun. It was nice. Um, to have that break where I could, instead of being in the studio all day, I could go and I'd be singing and doing some fun stuff with teachers that my mom and my sister had both had. Oh. So I, I learned to really like it. And getting a fine art degree, you, da- you have to... Learn all these rules and all of the the media. And when I went to school, there wasn't a graphic design class, so that was something that came right when I was graduating my associates. We had just got a computer lab, so everything was, I mean, pencil and paper, I mean, with your hands, exacto knife cutting out, you know, making um, drama with black and white shapes and color theory by you know eye and talent really trying to learn how to do all of that in a, in a very physical sense. And I knew when I got my associate of fine art, um, that I, I wanted to emphasize in sculpture that still to me is what I wanted to do was to, to, to create things. And through my teacher there, Linda Ryan at Casper college, and she's retired now, um, she really helped me understand through uh, meditation and a process of just becoming more existential and cognitive of exactly why in this world we make the choices we do. That for me, my the I mean, my drive to create something material was, I mean, as spiritual as it is literal. And I kind of not really settled when I got my bachelor's. I worked a lot bigger than jewelry. I pushed myself but that I really was amazed at how something that's been on the earth since the beginning of time, like an element like copper or something like silver or these gems that people have found and have put value in is something that can then be transformed into something more and with jewelry, it's, it's about self-expression and how I'm expressing myself and then hoping that other people can find expression in the same way. And that art became that for me, a very fluid process of my desire to create and to be creative and then to actually make a thing for someone to experience and then to bring into their own life, because we are all, in a sense, creative human beings. We all start wanting to scribble and draw and to use those capabilities. And I just made that choice at a fairly young age that I just, I wanted, that's what I wanted to be when I grew up.
0: Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, even if you're not, if you, consider yourself not a creative person you do create your life with the choices you make and the things you choose to buy and wear and so that is your form of creativity like that's you taking an active part
1: in that i like that Okay, what does MPE stand for? I feel like I should know this.
2: Is there oh yeah, go ahead. Honestly, <laughs> Cat and I, when we're together, I, I'm a talker, so she probably could answer a lot of these questions too. I but do MPE to Designs everyone. was the second um, business name I actually, and the one I'm just gonna, I'm going to settle with. Not settle is not the right word, but the one that I'm most excited about. It's the middle names of my daughters. So I have four kids. Um, the first three that I had are, are girls. My last little caboose, he's just a little little boy. He's only one. And so I'm not planning on working him into the business name. We'll see if he wants to be. But it's Meridian Page Eloise Designs is what it's called. And I made that change. My first business name was actually um, Biddy's Bibs is what it was. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was because of my Gigi that I, that that was the first thing I started doing. So after school, um, I got married to my husband, um, Jordan, and he was going to school at that point. I had my bachelor's degree in fine art and I had, um, the opportunity to be the bread bringer for the home. So I found a job that wasn't making art, but it was a good one. But then I would find time to make sure my we lived in the same city in Wyoming as my grandma and my grandma's father, my great grandfather. um, He was into jewelry making and he was when I was a child, just the epitome of what I wanted to grow up to be, because in his just wisdom and old age, he still loved the world and wondered about it and traveled and collected and did all these wonderful things. And that. One of his favorite things to do, even though he had become very successful um, from oil, just the oil market there in Wyoming and investing, um, he still loved to just take walks. Polished stones and turn them into jewelry that he would give to the kids and I, or he'd wear it himself. And I, I mean, I remember just holding his hands and looking at all of his rings and all of the things that he would just wear and have in his house. And so I'd go to my Gigi's house cause she was very creative too. And she sewed and she taught me how to start sewing. Um, when our first um, baby was coming, we knew it was a girl. I wanted to make some blankets and some bibs and my Gigi helped me just get started that way. And then all of a sudden people were like, these are really nice. These bibs. Can you make me some for a friend's baby shower? And it started that way. Something that I hadn't, since school, I didn't have a studio I could work in anymore to do metalworking. And I had, but I still needed a creative outlet. And it would be the sewing machine at my Gigi's house. I mean, we couldn't afford to do anything more than that at that point out of, you know, where we lived. And I started my business that way. And I made bibs. And then through that, I started doing, um just other hand-sewn items like rice packs and things like that. And what's nice is that with MPE Designs, when my kids um, want to be a part of it, we like to sew together, and I still carry that um, creative process that way. But what really opened up opportunities for me was when we moved to Utah, and I quit working full-time. My husband was almost school, and I had an opportunity to just – remember uh creative part of myself and just kind of reconstitute it in the form of painting and that's where I started and that's when I um after the birth of my third child um Miss Margot Eloise, that's when I decided to do MP designs because I started to have enough interest that I needed to make something a little more permanent, Mm -hmm. especially in an age where, I mean, everything is so available with the internet and everything. I needed to have some place where people and myself could kind of have a base of where to find anything I might create that someone else might be interested in, which I found fairly, you know, amazing that that was something, you know, unique. And once we were here in Utah, I mean we it's not been easy, but it's been because of the, the the decision I made to work and reconnect with who I've always been, um, it's become something that I'm not going to stop ever again. Nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I like really it. Cool. Yeah. That's good. Well, I'm glad now I know where the name comes from.
2: (laughs) I mean, we
0: kind of covered this, but what all do you make? Because I know that, I mean, I covered a few, but then you brought up sewing, and I was like, oh, yeah, she does a lot of sewing stuff. You sold, like, uh, pillows, like nursery pillows. Yeah,
2: Um, so my kids will come to me, and they'll be like, hey, can you make this? And uh, so the past couple years, we, my, um, she's six now, she loves just the little cutesy personified like inanimate objects like you know like they're called like what is it, Shopkins and stuff like that. So she'll come um, to me like, "I can you make a cactus pillow? Like, I want something to cuddle, but, and I want it to be a cactus. And they'll push me to figure out things and to make patterns and also be my critiques, because well, we've tried making a llama pillow for years now, and, <laughs> <laughs> and she's never satisfied with how it turns out. And in my mind, I'm like, if a six-year-old doesn't like the llama pillow, it's not a good llama pillow. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a fun, I mean, a, a fun softer side to a lot of it like you know making um just incorporating a way for my children to understand that um your creative process can have value i mean to yourself definitely but then also to the market and the economy that we live in and just showing them ways to do that and um so We've done like unicorn um, like shaped rice packs. And like my oldest daughter, she sewed um, fleece dog scarves this winter that we had. And so I mean, it's just, it's it's nice. Cause I, I have almost anything anyone would need to make something at my house. Mom, I need this for the Viking ship I'm making for school. I'm like, oh yeah, it's the second drawer down in the dresser in the garage with all the other like little wood items you know and it's like I just it's it's nice to have that that's what's big for me is helping um creativity just always you can have it no matter what on any level so and I saw that you put that in one of your uh like either in your
0: biography that you sent in that you're willing to help like be a consultant when people are trying to to make things themselves they Mm -hmm. can come to you and you would help them through that process right
2: yeah it's it's really interesting um how that's kind of happened because you don't think of yourself as like someone that can help or influence someone else Mm -hmm. um in the sense of like what makes the knowledge that I've gained and what I have done um, valuable mm-hmm. for someone. But I do. I have conversations with quite a few people and it's because of the Mofaco that when they learn that I'm somebody here, they're like, Oh, I've I've thought about doing this. Like, what kind of value do you think this would have? And people start showing me their artwork. And what's interesting is at first I I remember Um, that the word, you know, with like just the word value in a sense is always interesting, but having a fine art degree, you go through a lot of, um, not necessarily business, but you understand that kind of commercial side and the idea of art as work Mm -hmm. and that you can and you should put value in things that you create, even though it's something you love to do. And so, I mean, it's just... And what's nice is that I still try to keep up on all of that. I mean, it's a it's a great it's a busy world because of just technology. And I've been reading a book lately that's called, um, I think it's Death to the Artist. And it's um, by well, William Derezowitz. And he talks a lot about how we as artists have been lied to for a long time about how we should feel guilty about being paid for what we do yeah
1: Mm
2: -hmm. and it's a it's an amazing book i'm maybe a fourth into it but it's one of those things that i've i know and i have that feeling because i remember being, you know, getting a degree in art was even sometimes not necessarily looked down upon. But my grandfather, so my Gigi's husband, the lady that I would so be creative with in I mean the same household, we'd go have dinner upstairs and he'd be like, So you're gonna marry for the money, right? Because there's no money in being an artist. He'd remind me this every Sunday, we'd have dinner together when I was in college <laughs> there. And That, I mean, and so then I thought to myself, well, I'm not doing it for the money and that this book talks about that, where even that thought process is incorrect that we as art and then as a thought process, as an artisan, that we, yes, are doing something that we love, but that that is as important as any other job or any other work Mm -hmm. that someone else does we need to understand ourselves as a business yeah. and how for me i mean the Mofoco has really hit that home where it's allowed me to become a part of that business market but in a way that i want to be yeah not in a way that i that i'm uncomfortable yet and I don't know if that makes sense yeah. uh, to anyone, but that I have, I'm in, I'm in a storefront and my, my kids think that's amazing that my mom sells, you know, her art in a store and that I've had to really think about them. Like, that is really cool. Like this opportunity but and it's I just really cool. talk it's it cool. up all the time <laughs> is, I mean, it's sad that it's unprecedented. Yeah. It's disappointing, but then to have it now and then to be at a point where even though big business, even though the internet making things so widespread, even though everyone has an, you know, an iPhone and they can make a movie themselves, there are still artists who, and we work hard, even harder sometimes because we know that. And then we are still finding it hard to live, but It's one of those things that, I mean, my husband, he's a metal fabricator, but he went to school to, um, become certified to fix broken cars because even though he loves just fabricating, he loves just creating something new, something original that even in now it's the creative process. It it needs to survive, but we always need to have a business. And I found a perfect, not a... A pretty perfect balance being a part of the farmers markets in Utah and then especially in southern Utah mm-hmm. that when we moved here I mean this was something that worked very well because people still value art as an artisans mm-hmm. as just that as something very unique and needed yeah.
1: That's really cool. So does your... Okay, because I know you make charms that we have in the co-op. Okay. Does your husband
2: help you make those or is that all you? That's all me. So my um, degree is in metalsmithing and sculpture. And so um, the charms are a process that I did back in high school. It's called um, metal piercing. And you use um, a very... It's a thin saw blade called a jeweler saw and a special little frame. And I um, draw... The designs, and then I actually transfer them onto the metal, and then I hand cut them out, and then I do a patina on them as well, because I I like giving more life and depth. I leave some of them the natural or like a satin finish of the metal, but yeah, no, no I hand I like cut your all patinas. of
0: them. They're so cool. I yeah. think that's what makes your stuff so unique is that it always has this really cool patina on it. So cool. check them out. Yeah. But yeah. And they're always different. And you were, you had tons of, di- you do tons of different kinds too. Mm-hmm.
2: It's fun. Yeah. I find um, what's been nice being in a climate where I can be outside a lot. Cause versus Wyoming, it's like Wyoming, you're outside in the summer. Spring is still too cold. Fall gets really cold in winter. No one wants to be outside. Yeah. <laughs> and here in Southern Utah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and it's just, you can be outside all the time. And, Just the color, the experiences, um, the animals. I I get inspiration from just finding what I need at a certain time in my life and then, like, realizing that, wait, we as human beings need the same things. And then learning more about what's around me. Like, just recently, I I finally, because of being at the MoFACO, I have a little bit that I spent on some american mine turquoise and that was hard (laughs) because it's expensive (laughs) but it was something that i was like i want to see how close to home i can keep this yeah and then i also found some really neat um stones that are mined just out of um, nevada oh cool um some special jasper that you can find there and and start um Going more that direction with even some of those things as well, just because, again, I've always just been intrigued by trying to use the things that are around me, but in the sense of uh, the start of a creative process Um, and that I find that a lot of people and we're drawn to that to that you know, Mother Earth to that natural need for self-expression, but in a comfortable way. And so, you know, seeing things that are more evocative are, are, you know, of the environment or even on a more spiritual level that some of these things that have been used for thousands of years and that have gained value because of that are, I mean, indeed something Worth if it's jewelry wearing or just possessing, that it has a need and yeah. in, in our lives. Yeah. So,
0: uh you, you've covered like a lot of these, but the, that you were talking about inspiration, finding it outside. And but, uh, how do you you find inspiration for your pieces? Do you like look at things? Are there some jewelry artists that you follow, or are you just kind of like
2: I have my style, like I haven't looked like recently at a lot of jewelry artists. I have a lot of books at home and just um, that I use as references that I, I find pieces and then I identify what resonated with me with that piece okay. and then translate that like into my own work and use what's at my disposal. Mm-hmm. And what's nice is that I'm having some opportunities open up that I'm starting to grow my studio and so my, my tool bench is gonna become a lot more exciting um, than it has been in a long time. And for me, I, when I was in school, I would create something for itself. I wasn't representational. Yeah. I didn't want to re-represent something. I wanted to make something that was its own thing because it should be. Mm-hmm. And now, um, with the opportunity i just had um being at the Mofaco is I've been able to purchase a torch and some gas tanks and I'm gonna start casting again, which is a process that I have really missed. Um, and do some freeform casting. Is that how you made the key? Yes. Okay.
0: So she, at some point, I just want to say, so Kirsten at some point had this awesome necklace in here and it was like this, it was part of a key and it was to the art building (laughs) of your college. And I was like, that's such a cool key. And you're like, yeah,
2: that's actually to the college art building. (laughs) I was (laughs) trying to cast it so I could work in the studio whenever I wanted. (laughs) Cause it's uh, college, uh, you never have enough time <laughs> and it didn't work. And so that it was, didn't a, work. it was only a partial cast, but it was really neat. So I was like, Hey, that would, you know, that, I mean, it still, it still had value in it's Right. And I never wanted no, to melt yeah. it down. I was and like, like, I thought it was
0: really, I was like, I was surprised that you were like, I've had it for like seven years. I was like, I would have bought that immediately. And the funny thing is, is Melissa owns it. Oh really? The, yeah. The crochet artist that's in the oh, that's store. Funny. And I was like, that's awesome. you should have this necklace. It's, the key to art and she's like, I love it! But anyway,
1: that's really cool. I like that. So what other, on that note, what kind of things are you imagining that you're going to cast?
2: So what I'm really excited to do is to go out and a form of casting that I enjoyed doing was called um, broom casting. And it was called that because you would use broom straw or a natural combustible material so you would heat your metal until it was liquid, and then you would pour it into a bundle of straw, oh, cool. and you'd get these amazing free form, completely. I, I love not having control of my art, if possible. I know that some people are like, "What?" And I'm like, I know, oh, no. I was like I've never heard anybody I, I say love, that. I love <laughs> an imperfect process, which, um, and and you get these really neat. Um, almost stalactite stalagmite Ooh, forms cool. and kind of globs and so what I wanted to do is go out and get the natural material from around the area yeah and cast into it that way and see what kind of things I'm going to come up with because I've done pine needles before because it just smells a lot better burning than the straw <laughs> usually and I just I'm going to collect like you know some of the sagebrush and some of the other dry materials and cast into it that way and I've cast into ice before ice casting wow. is a lot of fun it's a lot different of a shape a lot more amorphic kind of amoeba like um and i like the challenge thing because then i'm given like i've created this thing that i didn't know it was going to look like but i went through a process that i knew that was familiar and now what am i going to do with you what are you going to be what do you want to be what are you going to go well with what are we how are we going to fulfill um, this thing into into art into and then hopefully fulfill someone else with it as well, and then um, cuttlefish casting, which is um, again it's a very simple process, and cuttlefish bones um, you've probably seen them if you know of anyone that's had a parrot or a bird those big long. Like it's like an oval, the white things the birds like to scratch their beaks on or eat. That's actually a cuttlefish bone. It's oh. it's cartilage. A cuttlefish oh. is a sea animal. <laughs> and when they die, that's what's left over. And you can buy them at pet stores. and But it makes an incredible texture that you can't get any other way. Oh, cool. Any other way. and But again, you have no control over that texture at all. It's from the bone that you're using. And you're able to carve into these bones. And then you bind them. And you actually cast the metal into the bone. And you're given, I mean, yes, you've given the shape that you wanted to carve, but then the actual texture itself is something completely that
1: you was can. there
2: when, uh. when this thing grew and then perished and now we can use it to live on. It's something, I had a few pieces of that that I, at the farmer's market um, I did sell, but I haven't seen a lot of it since, probably because it smells like burning hair when you do it. A lot of people don't want to. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like
0: how some people like the smell of gas.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't mind the smell of burnt hair. I've yeah. got myself on fire <laughs> numerous times. I'm used to it. <laughs> Just another day.
0: Yeah, At the funny. office. <laughs> At the studio. Don't worry about it. <sighs> Do you feel like you've answered how to um, how you pick and combine the stones and the colors and the chains?
2: Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the stones and the chains, it that is probably the most, if you want to say, mechanical part of jewelry making because you can be as creative as you want, but you need when something is. Being worn on the human body, you need to make sure it's going to withstand, Mm -hmm. and that's something that wants to be worn, not just occasionally. Mm -hmm. You know, so like I don't like to make something dainty in a sense that it's fragile, but that you know I have kids. I have had my necklaces pulled on numerous occasions and earrings, and I want to make sure that the things that I use can withstand that. And so I, I think it just comes down to. I like I find, you know, the stones first and I do some research into like maybe again, why something interested me and if it's going to be if I can represent something to to the best of my ability at the time and then give it um, a life in the sense of. Like a desire, like someone looks at something and goes, oh, like they can identify self themselves with that, but then it still fulfills something for them. And then they don't, I mean, with jewelry, again, it, it needs to be something that is functional. Mm-hmm. And um, I really enjoy that because, I mean, wearing jewelry is one of the most intimate outward expressions of self that yeah. has been since mankind was doing that mm-hmm. because these bodies are great but if you can ornament yourself someone found a way to do it and then you realized you know what, I can wear what I like and when someone views you wearing something you like that becomes an intimate moment between two people yeah. which I think is really important and that involves you getting off of you know your phone or really looking around and noticing and being like, wow, like what stone is on your necklace? Or, wow, that bracelet's really cool. But it's because you made a choice to put something on that helped you feel more like you, yeah. but then it's on a public format, yeah. but in life. Yeah. And then people can interact with you that way. And I found that jewelry as a form of art, that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And it didn't need to be in a gallery that yeah. someone can be walking around with it on yeah, it's super for themselves as much as everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> I like that
1: so then this isn't on here but do you get the stones like cut how they are and like are they polished already or like what's the process like when you order them I guess and then receive them
2: yep so I get them cut and drilled um I did a little bit of lapidary work in college and it is a it's an it's a great process but it's really wet it's really cold and the the Uh, the money I need to have to have those tools I will gladly support another rock hound out there to do it for me and that's what I try to do is I go around to the rock shops in town and see uh, because I inherited a lot of stones from my great grandfather when he passed away if they could drill them for me um, or they can send them out and do it for me And then it's just finding, like, these ones I'm getting from Nevada, like, I purchased off their website, like, online. Mm -hmm. And so they've done that for me, just supporting someone else's trade that way. Um, But, I mean, I would love to do it. Yeah. But with, not, I mean, the time that goes into creating. The hours in the day, man. Yeah. Yeah. And then having just, you know, four kids. And then it's like, once I'm out of the studio, it's like being mom. And let's be honest, I'm always... Artist, mom, wife—I mean, all the time. Right. That—that's um, something that I've struggled with being okay with. Yeah. And I think it's because of having um, an art degree and that knowledge of how being genuine is so very important, and that I've now, when I've talked to other people that have come to me about starting art as kind of a business that I've had to tell them it's okay because I've been there where all of a sudden I felt like I shouldn't, I can't sell this because I didn't create every single finding. I didn't Mm -hmm. cut the stone and drill the hole. So why can I put this out here and make this okay? And then that's when I go back to my books and some things that I've read. Um, the Art Spirit is a very um, good book that helps me remember um, just why a lot of us do artists and artisans and just makers do what we do. Um, and it's one of those things that it's, it comes down to making sure that the creativity is genuine mm-hmm. and that what you're doing is something, I mean, from that sense. Right. And that, I mean, if you can support you know, others in the same circles as you are for the things that you need. And I would love to one day and hopefully as the MofoCo grows and the just I don't even want to just say St. George. I mean, just the whole area that we're in realizes the importance of co-op in the sense of we all have towns. We all can be creative but we all need each other yeah to then move forward mm-hmm. and it's not and it's something that has happened before but because of um just um the acceleration of technology a lot of people are it's it's cheaper it's easier to go somewhere else and as yeah. artists yeah. it's very hard yeah. to not go yeah. that way and We do sometimes. I mean, I don't print my own stickers, guys. They're printed. It's my art on the sticker. But I even had to have a conversation with myself about that. Yeah. Being like, and my husband is the one that since he's in both worlds of fabricating and then like auto, you know, body collision repair, he's like, it's fine. You're not expected as an artist. Yeah. Or at least people shouldn't expect it from you to have all of this in the garage or in the studio. It's like you're still yeah. this is still you, you created the artwork. It's okay to have someone else print the sticker for you. <laughs> don't, don't go know. into debt over being being genuine. And that's what I, again I just I love about how the MofaCo has helped just bring to the table, something that I never realized was possible. And being in a store, having a website that is stellar and that it just... I I love getting on it and shopping myself, but I still come into the store and do my shopping, even though I could do the curbside pickup that we offer. Um, But that... I never I mean, my Etsy never went anywhere. My Facebook shop never went anywhere, but now that I've been here, things are happening. It's because I have a community. Yeah. It's because I suddenly realized I can I can still, you know, be what I want to be and have other people want to be things as well. And we can all have this creative atmosphere that is actually I mean cooperatively moving forward right
1: so if anyone in southern utah likes polishing and pre-drilling rocks they should get with you
2: they should
0: (laughs) yeah they should totally that would be cool (laughs) Um, I, I always tell people it's kind of like uh, when they try and sell at the farmer's market. I'm I just I'm like, it's the analogy of the sweater. You can buy the yarn and knit the sweater and nobody's going to tell you that it's not your art, but you can't right. just sell the yarn here. But, you know, like I, I as a weaver, I like, you know, I, I love spinning and part of me desperately wants to raise sheep and shear them myself mm-hmm. and start a woolen mill. But then I'm like, oh, yeah. you know what? hours of the day i'd rather just weave you'd rather just make jewelry like i could do that you're right i could invest (laughs) a ton of money and do this but i don't want to Mm -hmm. like the real thing that i want to do is just my art you know Mm -hmm. like so it's i i like that that you're willing to support other artists and you're willing to to just narrow down what you want to do Okay, so what is your process for making a necklace? What, like, what do you, what, when you start with a necklace, Like, where do you start and what goes, and then?
2: Um, so for a lot of things I've been working on lately, um, with the charms that I've been cutting, it was symbols of the state of Utah because yes. I'm not native to Utah. We moved here from Wyoming. I'm not even native to Wyoming. <laughs> um, like Kat kind of said it earlier, we moved quite a bit. So <laughs> I mean, I was born in Texas, graduated high school in Billings, random year in Cincinnati, Ohio, I mean, there's a lot of great influence that I've had on my life, but I wanted to get to know um, just the symbols of the state because for me as a child, I remember being so amazed that things have symbolic value. Yeah, Anything. I mean, and then going into college and having a great a mentor and Linda Ryan as professor. She really made me dig into why patterns were appearing in my work, why I gravitated to certain colors, why I did certain things and became more cognizant of every choice I was making, even on a creative level. Mm-hmm. And that that was necessary to understand my creative process. And so now I don't really have to focus as much, but I do like to still give understanding to something and say, okay, so why do I like, I've been intrigued again with just tortoise shells and with the organic pattern that is always there and all of these things Mm -hmm. and what does this do for me so I I cut a new charm and it was a tortoise shell and what was really fun about it is I gave a little bit of dimension to it I actually rounded it and that kind of made me really happy you did because it's not just flat it's Mm -hmm. like ooh, like this has a little more presence and then looking more into (laughs) like you know just the the um the mythology behind the tortoise and all of these things and then just sitting there and creating with all of this in mind and seeing what with what the materials I have, like what I can do, right. to give life to to these ideas, these symbols, these understanding that this um, very core part of us that a lot of us don't even know um, or are aware of really tries to have a piece in our um, cognitive perception. Yeah. Where and I think that's very important is as people go out throughout their life and try to decide what they want to be when they grow up or what they are going to do, they realize that there is always going to be a need to have a desire for something that just you want. You may not know exactly why, but when you actually have an opportunity to understand why, um, that's how my creative process starts As I really dig into the why. That's really interesting. I, cause even as a creator, like I
0: never, I'm just like, that's what I like. I don't know why, but I like that you're questioning that and trying to find the origin of that and understanding yourself on that, on that, even like a subconscious level, like, Mm -hmm. no, I know why I like these things. Like, that's just a really interesting layer to add to a creative process.
1: Yeah, it's cool to recognize the patterns and colors and have a teacher that actually pushed you to do that.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's like really I've cool. never heard of that. we yeah. interviewed a ton of people. Yeah, that. I've never no, that's that. really cool. Of, we did a lot of meditation. It's called like um, flame or candle meditation where you just learn to understand thoughts as actual physical things and as it's something that is as physical as the things that you create as art and then just to go into with free writing and understanding and, you know, the, that, Thoughts will ever, never actually go away, but they're always there. But you can control what you're going to focus on. And she and I did that. And with some of the classes I was in, she did. It was a class um, with some of us as well. Um, really helped us do that. I don't know how how many people it stuck with. That's but it, so I mean, interesting. It was, um, it's just amazing because I've always wanted to just understand me. And what's interesting now is do I have time to do that meditation anymore? No. <laughs> Because of all... I mean, I wish I did, no. but I told Melissa when I got here, I was like, she was showing these fun things she's going to... Um, Crochet for Valentine's Day. And I was like, that's so awesome. I've not thought of doing anything different for Valentine's Day. Because that's not how I think, Yeah, yeah. You know, and so I, and so what's funny is I went and used the restroom. And I came back upstairs, like, Melissa, I was like, you can understand this being a mother. You know, we have those sparks of like creativity and it's usually in the shower or the bathroom. Well, I have something for you. And I told her something I thought of. And she loved it. And she wrote it down and she's she's like, I already have a pattern for it. I'm going to do it. And oh, I'm cool. like, and it's fun being able to be in a place where you can still share creativity because that's like yeah. school and being home it's like I can do that with my kids but sometimes they look at me like what yeah like, I just wanted to make like a barbie chair for the barbie house mom like you're getting into this so little well, and then much. I mean like even as adults
0: even when you are like your own creative business you're your own like little island to be mm-hmm. able to come in and like that's what we really wanted to as yeah. we talked about it is that we wanted this to be a place where people could come in and like be like hey help me with this project or hey this is what mm-hmm. I'm going on and being inspired and talking and so it's really cool that that's happening I like it yeah,
1: yeah. I'm excited for more collaborations between all the artists I, know. I think that is going to be really cool yeah, yeah.
2: I have a I, friend up north I'm trying to collaborate with she's a macrame artist but in a very you think you know macrame no and there's
0: so many different types um
2: yeah her name is Kristen Rawlings and she's um she does fifteen fibers is the name um, that she's given her art and just the texture and the colors I'm Going to hopefully with all my new tools I'm going to be getting soon, um, be able to forge some smaller things that she's going to macrame off of. Oh, cool! Because she's never worked that small. And what's so funny is that I find myself wanting to collaborate more, but then it's to not necessarily it's to push me, but then to push her. Because yeah. I we lived just down the street from each other up when we lived in Orem, and watching her go through school, she's a photography major. Um, but I'm watching her art, and I'm just like. Do you want to do this together? And I know that it would push her, too, to work small. Because I had to push myself to work big at one point. And now I've decided to settle where I'm comfortable and what I can withhold in my studio, you know, is, is jewelry. Yeah. I, I don't have the capability of doing um, a studio to do a sculpture, you know, a monumental sculpture or anything, even though I have been a part of things like that before, but that that's what's really neat. And having, again, just, this has happened in Utah. And I think it's Mm -hmm. because of the state having such a cohesive dynamic, but in the sense of all-encompassing, where you can go from north to south and you're going to hit every, you know, geographical type of landmark yep. you want to see. Yep. And then that comes with its own history, that comes with its own um type of creativity, type of people, and all of these things. You have agricultural, you have urban, you mm-hmm. have suburban. I mean it's it's incredible because everywhere else I lived, um, like Montana and Wyoming, it was very not Umbano so small. Culture. Yes. Yeah, very. I mean and and so it's been nice because you have all these capabilities, and then she's ready to do it with me. I just need to get on the ball and do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't want anybody to
0: think that we're insulting or anything like that, but I also think that the that the Mormonism plays into that because uh, you are encouraged, and it is... You are encouraged to develop as many gifts, to be as self-sufficient, to do these things your own. Like it's, it's encouraged not to like, this is so weird. It's so counter to what we believe, like what we just talked about, like buying and supporting others, but you're encouraged to figure it out on your own and not buy it from other people. So especially in Utah, there is just such a divergence of talent and it's so widespread because for Since its establishment, it's been just trying to be this independent little nation. Mm -hmm. And so it's so cool. Like, I just love it. But like, you know, in Montana, there's art happening in Montana. But for the most part, a lot of people are ranching or they're doing this or they did it the same way as everybody else. And, you know, they have the guidelines and then people there's, you know, like the artists and everybody and everything like that happening. But here, even people just... Regular people are supposed to be able to, to do everything
2: themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you. Know, and you as- shouldn't.
0: You should find your thing and support other people. <laughs> yes.
2: And um, and it's one of those things that I made the comment about how when I was in the school graphic design, I remember those the big computers coming into the the lab and they had to make a new space for it and stuff. And my brain thought. Oh well that's that's a sellout. Yeah. I, I can't believe people think making art on a computer is art. Yeah. Like yeah. this is this is something that I didn't understand and what's interesting is I've grown to have an appreciation and I now have my own iPad Pro yeah. with some sketch software and stuff on there because I'm trying to leave less of a footprint and not use as much paper but yeah. let's be honest there's no way an artist can completely be yeah. eco-friendly when yeah. it comes to sketching and paper. But it's one of those things that I still again I went to my husband had that dialogue and was like I'm feeling ingenuine because I'm sketching on an iPad instead of in a sketchbook. And I, is this for real? Because I'm not literally making a mark on a paper anymore. I'm not having that self-sufficiency that for some reason as, as human beings, and sometimes as women, we feel that if it's guilt or if it's just pressure, that's like, if I can't do it, then who am I? Yeah. yeah, and that comes very much yeah. from the the Mormon culture in Utah, mm-hmm. and that thought process of this is on me. Mm-hmm. And um, what's interesting is, um, I think for my family, I had a you know my mother and we were we are I'm still an active member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and my mother. Um, It was always independent and had her own business. And that was what I, now that I've become a small business owner, I finally look back on going, okay, okay, I can see like where this started for me in understanding that my mom was my mom but then she still worked. Yeah, she taught music out of the house, yep. but she's always done it and to this day still does that. Yeah. And my dad has always loved the value of work and that that instilled in me that understanding of just, you know, you, you need to work to survive. And he, found the jobs that were the best for his family. He was always good about that. That's why he moved so much, As if something didn't work out, he didn't, even if it was good for him, but it wasn't good for us, he would we'd move. And what's interesting is now being a parent and realizing, like, that example... It's out there all the time. Right. Because everybody, you know, has, you know, the opportunity to see you doing something imperfectly. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that it's in those moments of imperfection and that it's okay. That it doesn't need to be on you. That there is a community that is needed. in mm-hmm every every sense of that that the circle can start fairly small and it just be you know your neighborhood where you know you can go next door and get a cup of sugar and then it can be something larger and i know i can come and have talks here at the mofaco just of well how do you do this and what is your process here and learn that way and that grows that circle and how that necessity unless you actually start trying and using that outside yourself you don't realize how important it is mm-hmm. and how much growth i mean personally and for everyone around you that that actually needs to happen yeah.
0: Yeah, man. I'm, now that you brought it up, I'm like thinking about your mom because I took uh, I took voice lessons from <laughs> Kirsten's mom, and so she, and I remember like there was times when she was walking down the stairs, she had been teaching and she was just eating as she was going down the stairs, and she's like, I'm not gonna be done until eight o'clock. I remember there was times when you guys would walk in and you'd need mom, and she'd be playing the piano. She'd be like, Not right now, i something and you'd have to turn around and leave like what a great example for you like to and she did amazing stuff. She like she was pretty much like the only... she will, Well, she was one of the biggest directors for the kids' theater there. Uh-huh. She did almost all of the shows. And she
2: made, I don't know if she always wanted to do kids' theater, yeah. but I mean, once Sarah and I were old enough, we did so much theater with yeah. my mom. Yeah,
0: yeah. you guys I'm were so in everything. That I'm so grateful
2: for that, that she had the same thing that I'm trying to do with my kids. Is yeah. okay, this so is, is what I like that. to do. So you watch that. You
0: don't even see... like You're like, this is what a mom does. They do everything, and they <laughs> run the business. Uh-huh. That's probably why you have no problem incorporating your kids into it because right now I'm really struggling with Ira and Tilly but it's because I'm like oh I need you need mom time Mm -hmm. and I need business time but you watched your mom just do all of it at
2: the same time yeah and I mean it wasn't easy all the time but then you just learned you know just that she was passionate about what she did and it was something that she needed and then that but she also needed you. And she needed, I mean, the love that way again is something that is, we think of like, you know, it's my love that I need to give away, but then love is in everything that can happen. And then as soon as I understood more and wanted to understand my mother more, I liked doing the theater with her. I um, enjoyed just even just going to see the choir concerts that she would help put on and things like that. And now I'm just extremely grateful for that influence in my life. Cool. Um, it was busy, but... And yeah. then my sister has carried that on. I mean, she... Her daughters are in theater. Really? Uh-huh. That's and um, and she teaches um, acting and music up north. Oh, really? And everything. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And so, I mean, she's literally followed, you know, my mom's footsteps. She doesn't teach voice out of the house, but... Um, <laughs>
1: But (laughs) But there's still
0: time. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? That's awesome. Okay, cool. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail us, but I was just like, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. I forgot about that. I remember
2: because you were like tiny, like not tiny, you're like four years old. I was in fourth grade, yeah, yeah, when we moved and we lived in the, um, so the first house we were in, we weren't near you guys, but by, when I went to Will James, we lived over there on... Pine Cove. Yeah. So you were right up and yeah, over. Up like and over. A block up and yeah.
1: over. That's so crazy. Yeah. What a small world.
2: It is a small world. I know. It is. I also do remember. remember though that my mom was distracted. I always liked asking her for things that I knew she wouldn't say yes to if she wasn't distracted. <laughs> like certain snacks or if yeah. a TV show I wanted to watch was on and she was in the middle of a lesson, I would specifically wait. The most <laughs> most the most annoying time reassinate she'd always be like, Yeah, sure, I'd be okay. like yes. <laughs> Feel like it got and <laughs> then, yep, and then go back up. Yep, that's <laughs>
1: funny. Okay, so have you ever timed yourself and seen how long it takes to make like something?
2: Sadly enough, yes. Um, because when you start putting value on your artwork, you need to know like your base. There you like, go. What's so funny is that my husband. He and again, this is from him doing fabrication and then doing auto body. It's like no matter what, if if something, I mean, something always takes you an hour. Okay, that's your base. Uh-huh. Is what is your one hour? you know, your one hour rate Mm -hmm. and that is your base for anything you create Mm -hmm. because what's hard to do is being creative first and then a business second is that, that whole creative like, ooh, I really resonated with how these two things go together and I'm going to sketch about it and I'm going to actually make something that for me, my price didn't start until I started making.
0: Right. But it actually began at
2: that very moment of inspiration. Yeah. And, and so, So like one of the charms that I cut, I mean, what's, I never expected to sell this many. Let's be really honest here. When I started cutting these, I cut one silver, one bronze, one copper. And I took them to the farmer's market, and I just wanted to see what people thought. And now I have had to recut a lot of the symbols of the state of Utah more than I was expecting. Sadly yeah, because
0: I think they're awesome, and I told everybody. I was like, these are
2: so cool! <laughs> and, and so I started timing myself. And so I can usually get cut out... Um, so I had to do, once I was doing the farmer's market and the store was opening, I had to recut a whole set of everything. And so it was like 40, 45 charms. And I think um, since I had already done the sketching and everything like that, let's say from the very beginning to the end, and I'm drilling the hole and I patina patinaed it, and I can put it on a cart, probably three hours wow. if you want to break it down that way but I don't but what's nice is that now that I have like sets is that I don't have to restart that creative process Mm -hmm. I can just start from okay I need more silver or I'm going to try it with a hammer texture this time I mean it's I'm not having to start the very beginning um so running the necklaces it's something similar well I've already resonated with the materials and then it's just time to sit down and to make it in a way that honestly is pleasing to me yeah. And that's what I found very interesting is I started making necklaces and jewelry that I knew I would enjoy wearing and seeing it. And I just put it out there to see what other people thought. Right. And I did do some familiar shapes because you learn um, that some people need something familiar, like cacti are just popular down here because we are in the desert. Right, right. And so I had a friend help me do some woodcut um, earrings that I hand-painted, Mm-hmm. the way that I wanted them hand-painted, mm-hmm. but then put them out there. But then people were like, oh, I love these. Like, it's cacti or it's a succulent, you know? They're very and cute. And give someone an opportunity yeah, they are cute. Uh-huh, to, to be familiar. And then they can start looking at other things. Like, the cast pieces I'm going to do are going to be more what I did in school, which is very, like I said, non-representational. Yeah. I'm not going to make something that looks like a seagull because that's a state of Utah. I'm going to make something in of itself. And sometimes those are the pieces that are... Not necessarily the like hardest for me to put out there, but I always enjoy to see who takes them home. I actually think it'll look really
0: cool to have because that's actually more of the jewelry that I'm into is stuff that's either kind of weird or it has a really cool backstory or, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, so I think that they'll do really good. I'm actually really excited for it.
1: Well, i to be curious, to see too. It. Yeah. yeah, I
0: was like, I'm totally stoked because I loved that key necklace, and I thought about buying it every time I saw it. I was like, Oh, I'll buy that later. I don't have a key oh, anymore. I, I at the college. Yeah, I, I can't know. Do it again. I know. And so, but like, I loved the the texture on it too because you, yeah, you, yeah, because you could see it was so cool. Sam, should do so a fun. key to
1: the co-op.
0: <gasps> we should, and
1: I'm I sad. yes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay, anyway. <laughs> see collaboration <laughs> <and> <laughs> So
0: its has nothing to do with what we're talking about but, <laughs> no I'm just kidding um so what is, what's something that you wish that everybody understood when
2: about what goes into buying and making handmade jewelry that it's not about something being beautiful or making someone more beautiful I I have um I had opportunities, you know, out of school that I could have gone to goldsmith school. I could have gone Hmm. the bright, shiny, and in my mind, very commercial way of making jewelry and having a job, you know, making jewelry. And what's interesting is, you know, my fine art degree didn't point me in that direction, but it was an opportunity that I had to, to apprentice under a goldsmith and to become like a goldsmith. And that some people have that thought process of jewelry, of it needs to be smooth, it needs to be shiny, it needs to be valuable. Mm-hmm. And how a lot of those items that have become that way, um, for me, are very generic and cold. Yeah. They don't have a lot of life and, and understanding behind it. And so what I, I mean want people to understand is why they want to wear jewelry and to want to look more into maybe why they resonate more with silver over copper or copper over bronze or why they open up an opportunity for people to really understand things that they bring into their life and in this sense which really onto their own body Mm -hmm. um, which is just I mean it's all about Again, I mean it's very it's just it's a very interesting process to really think about, like slipping something on, yeah. even taking something off. You know, and that's in a very physical body sense, that they should be thoughtful about that. And it would be nice is just to have be able to have more conversations about that. Like, oh, like I see you, you probably like purple. Like when people buy certain things and at the farmers markets, I would bring it that up and they wouldn't realize, like, oh, and they picked out a purple necklace. And trying just just have some connectivity that way, that jewelry is something very like like i said before it's it's the most outward intimate expression that some people can make without completely understanding why right <laughs> and then it's also something that is something very easy to give because i whenever people are shopping for in the store at all the mofaco and they're like i'm looking for a gift for someone and i was like well these are my words of advice look for something that makes you think of that person yeah not that's not that don't think of um oh, this looks like that person. Or, you know, I think she'd wear that. It's like, no, find something that you said, hey, that made me think of Lauren. Yeah. And that's why. Yeah. Because that's very, I mean, it's that same idea of just kind of going off of that inward subconscious understanding of the relationships we have. And then the most important one is yourself. Mm-hmm. And how, I mean, with jewelry, that is one of the most opportune ways we can express ourselves and then open yourself up to just the world around you
0: yeah.
1: that is funny because I so I bought a, a pair of earrings for my mother-in-law for her birthday this past summer it wasn't local I feel bad about that but you live and you learn. Oh my! <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <laughs> but it was these it was these uh like the resin flower oh, yeah. art that I've shown you before and it was these earrings and I I was scrolling through my feed, and they popped up and I was like oh my gosh those are my mother-in-law and I didn't know until I gave them to her, but it was her favorite flower and her favorite color. Oh, and cool. I somehow just knew when I saw them, I was like, that's her, like that, that, that's her. I just, she has to have these. Mm-hmm. So I get that. I've, I've, I've had that experience before. Cute. <laughs> uh, okay, so what's something that's been a surprise for you since you have started MP Designs?
2: Something that's been a surprise for me, um, just like nothing I knew what um, I was getting into. I mean, no, I, I kind of did, but it's one of those things that, it, that it's actually, it's working, but not in the sense of wanting to become the biggest name out there in every home, but that being an artist and then becoming an artist that owns her own business, I don't, I'm surprised that I don't feel, I don't know, like a sellout. I was right. I was expecting that, just because again, and it's a, a flawed thought process that if you're an artist, you need to be starving. Yeah, that is a very flawed flawed process. That um, and that that was something that not that I grew to believe or that I supported. But that doing that, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to be the same. I don't know if my creativity, my flow is going to be there. I this all of a sudden I branded something Mm -hmm. and and created, you know, a logo and all these things, which is still creative. But for a commercial sense that I, I was expecting it to feel different and I'm surprised that it doesn't. yeah, And I'll just come back to it again, but it's because I'm not having to do it all on my own anymore right. that I have a husband who's supportive and will help me when I, something goes outside my fabrication understanding. He can be like, Oh, well, what if we did this? And then my kids see me in studio and be like, Hey mom, can we make this? And then meeting Kat at the farmer's market. I remember that Saturday I went to find where my booth was and I looked at her and I was like, I know you like you're
0: and I was like no you don't
2: you know I was <laughs> like no one knows me <laughs> and, then, and I was, then
0: I go to walk away and she goes Katie and I was like oh shut
2: <laughs> shit I was like you know me <laughs> and it was one of those things I was like okay yeah. This is because this was the first farmers market I did with that business name and that, the one that I've been successful in. And then oh, the yeah, you did and really we did really good. At that. I mean, this is my second year at yeah. the downtown farmers market. was the, This past little, little summer. And we this had.
0: last summer was COVID. Mm-hmm. But the first summer that you did it, we were really banging it, on all four cylinders. And I remember you were. Doing real good.
2: It was it was a lot of fun. It was nice, and that I mean, and so even with COVID, as soon as you know the permits were released and it went up on the Facebook page or however I saw it from you, I was like, done. I'm applying and I'm supporting this. Yeah. And I was there every Saturday that I was in town. Yeah. I mean, I even if it was, I mean, they were slow. Yeah. But I was like, I want to be a part of this. Yeah. Forever, as much as I can, and I already told my husband, I don't want to move any farther south. I don't want to move ever again. Let's yeah. just stay here. And then with the Mofoco now having a, 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 like a brick and mortar, it was, again, another one of those feelings of this is a new home and this is where I need to be.
0: Yeah.
2: And, it's just, and you do really well in here but I mean like so do you
0: ever like just do you ever just walk in and look at your shelf and you're like holy shit I'm in a store
2: mm-hmm. or, I do and I, I get that reflected from my kids because yeah. they're just like they tell their friends and I'm like oh I guess this is something to be you know like excited about Yeah, and yeah no I mean to just stroll downtown and then to have people signs come across um, be like oh yeah that's next to you know Bear Paw or that's next to the antique yeah. place and it's like yeah
0: Yeah, I'm in there. I'm on the right. Yeah. Because
2: sometimes I still get online and I look at the
0: online shop and I'm like, oh, my God, we opened a store. I'm like, this is great. (laughs) Or sometimes I walk in and I'm like, gosh, I just forget how beautiful this store is. And like, especially when you've like done drops and you've filled stuff and I'll go over there and look at all the new stuff. And it's like,
2: this just is great. It's my favorite. Every time I volunteer just to do a walk around and to get to know anybody new. And that's, I mean, I... I hope that restrictions are going to lessen and we can all get together as vendors yeah. and have you know really good get to know each other. Yeah, um, just because that is so exciting to there's people out there who are still valuing themselves and their creativity. Yeah, and pushing past that barrier of insecurity of do I am I really unique enough? Yeah, to. B, to fill out that application and I know for a fact that I do a lot of I told Melissa this Sunday afternoons are usually slower right now yeah. with it not being a big holiday season or anything and I do a lot of networking it's really weird people come in and I always just bring up and it's because I work retail get myself through college that yeah. I, I make conversation if you're in my store you're going to leave you know feeling like You didn't just walk in, walk out. Yeah. And I'm like, do you know anybody that makes anything? Oh, well, actually, I do this. And they show me a picture. And I'm like, here's the card. Fill out the application. It's always online. Yeah. You know, we're looking for this if you know of anyone. And take the card. Take the card. Um, Because so many people are so scared to do something on their own and that's what we talked about is that there was all of a sudden this pressure to be completely self-sufficient and I think that's something that COVID has really brought out to all of us is that that is impossible Mm -hmm. and that even being self-sufficient um in you know having groceries delivered and having all these things if you needed to quarantine and stay at home and all of us have had our moments where we've unluckily needed to just be alone that you still have to rely on the community you have around you in any sense of that and that that's very important and then you can rely on yourself to then become though you still have to become part of the communities you want to be a part of part of the circles you want to be a part of the groups the unions whatever label you want to put on it and that there's so much power and necessity in hometown mm-hmm. community and you know it takes a village to raise a child it takes all of us together here to make this happen yeah it takes a village to support a co-op you guys sure does
0: <laughs> i built it now come i'm just kidding we all built it. everybody helped we had so much help you so all. yeah i like that
1: yeah that's good that is good that was a good one
0: Okay. Um, if you could start all over, what's one thing that you wish you would have known from the beginning?
2: If I could start all over, something I would have known from the beginning, um, that it's okay to work with what you have and to still feel... Like, the person you want to be. Um, just because—I put it that way, just because—so um, I, I finished school, took my last final, and my husband got home from serving a mission that same day, and then we dated, and then we got married, because we have been together before. He went on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and then I—I I mean. We, we got pregnant fairly quickly. And when you're pregnant, you can't do a lot of the metal processes that I loved yeah. doing. Mm. And I had to just stop going and because my professor is still teaching at the college and we lived in the same town where I got my associate's degree. So I was there just doing auditing classes and doing a lot of stuff. I had to stop a lot of things. And what's hard is that I stopped almost everything for a long time. And then I became a person I didn't like because creative artist Kirsten hadn't had any self time, self love, self anything. And then instead of thinking, if I can't do everything that I know I have the capability of doing, um, that you don't quit completely, Right. that you need to adapt. You need to be all right with just a different chapter. And so that's when we moved to Utah and I wasn't working full time anymore. And we got pregnant with our third, and I started painting again a lot. We were in this small apartment, but it had these big glass windows in this entryway. It was a split-level apartment. so like you'd walk in the front door, and there were stairs going up to the top apartment, and we were in the basement, the stairs going down. Well, the people upstairs, um, they were um, renovating that apartment and updating it, so no one used that entrance. So I just blocked off put an easel up there with all the natural light, and I just started to paint again, and that felt so good. And it would have been something I could have done the entire time the entire time and i wish that i wouldn't have been so um focused on that well i'm a sculptor if i can't sculpt i'm not going to do all you know i would still sketch i would do little things i was sewing with my grandma during that time but i wasn't really making the things i wanted to make or that i knew i could or that i had done and and i would i would love to go back and see where i would be but i don't know if i'd be here then yeah. honestly I mean if I would have kept going and doing who knows Yeah. so I mean it's all Rolled it's all good dice, at this yeah. point I mean, yeah. and I'm satisfied with where I'm at I mean yeah I could wish that but would I actually want to go do it no I'm good with where I'm at right now <laughs> I'm great I love it <laughs> that's, that's cute um uh, that's
0: good I like that yeah guys don't quit creating
1: yeah if you can't do it all just start with something or you
0: like even if it's not what you want to do just do something to keep your hand in the game yeah. yeah you know
1: yeah I feel like that's relevant for a lot of people yeah mm-hmm. yeah what motivates and inspires you to keep going do you feel like, you, feel like you answered answer that do you want to elaborate more
2: I mean, I just have a good support system. Like, honestly, my husband's always motivated me because he was with me in, when I was getting my degree, and he saw and fell in love with artist Kirsten. I mean, he saw that. When I didn't have babies, I needed to stop and nurse but I could just be in studio doing what I wanted to do, and then he got drug into it. There's some awkward portraits that I have painted of him for painting classes because he was, he was the person I could paint. Yes. <laughs> I mean that's so important to me is that he knew he knew me when I had the time to be selfish and do everything I wanted to do and that is something that I had told myself. Since I mean I was I mean 12, 13 years old that I didn't want to ever have any regret when it came to growing up to be what I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. That I and I wanted to go and I wanted to get an education and get a degree in art because there was a lot to learn. And that was just understanding the rules, understanding composition, understanding line, and learning why something needs to be drawn this way in perspective. And then by the end of your degree you get the training wheels off and you can just make because you have found at that point that 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 resonation in your art artwork that you can just, this is me. And that's what you do for a senior thesis. And I've, I've had that support. I've had that support since I was a child, even though my parents didn't understand me. My mom told me all the time, she's like, I have no idea how to, how to help you draw this or do this, but here's the things you need, you know, and I'll try to find some that can help you. And um, even in you know in Billings we had good friends who's one of my good friends his mom was an artist and she I remember being over at Janice Dockdale's house and me and my mom was probably teaching voice back at home but it's because Janice was an artist and understood how to help me keep progressing with my drawing with my sketching and she didn't necessarily give me lessons which gave me direction Mm -hmm. that I didn't understand and that support has continued um, with my husband knowing that I need to create to be happy. I need to be able to have studio time to be then the person that I want to be for every every other um, I guess job in my life. Right. You know? the making dinner mom, the running peel-to-school mom. um, I can be that if I get Uh 20 minutes of this time Uh of day. (laughs) And then my kids understand that, too. And what's interesting is that they like to create as well. So in my studio, I have my easel, and then I have their easel. And then I have some of their artwork up on the walls. And then I have, like, the stuff I'm trying to get reference from from a painting I'm doing. And it's just that they understand that, like, oh, I don't need to go out and buy everything. I can make something. And then in of itself, that process makes it even better and that I'm supporting them and they're supporting me. And then we can support each other here. Mm. That it's just I mean that's so so important to be okay with being supported. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I How
0: do good? too. I like it. So what's something that you failed
2: at and what did you learn? <laughs> I think I kinda of touched on that. I failed at sticking with something because I because I was stubborn yeah. Um, in the sense of, well, if I can't make the jewelry I want to make because I don't have the studio, I don't have that opportunity that I'm just going to stop. And that failure in that sense, I mean, it was it was temporary. It's like I began again, but I'm still not where I'd like to be, and I hope to get there and um, find a, a studio I can rent somewhere here in town. Anyone that's listening, if you have a metalsmith studio that don't you know ignore the thing I said about catching myself on fire I don't do it that much but I need a studio you know that I can do this and in. it's only hair And <laughs> it's usually me just my hair <laughs> but um yeah that just I failed myself for a little bit and just focused on things that were necessary my husband was going to school I was bringing home the bacon with a good job you know but that I wish I hadn't have failed myself and my artistic self and just saying well you're pregnant now you can't work with the patinas anymore you can't work with you know any of the heat stuff it's not safe and so let's just you're not gonna do it yeah and mm-hmm. so
0: I like when you were like it was only temporary and and immediately in my head I was like well failure is always temporary but I was like yeah it is only temporary you guys when you fail it's only temporary mm-hmm. I like it That's my nugget that I learned today. I'm going to go home and write it on my mirror. (laughs) Failure is only temporary. It is. It's
1: always temporary. Yeah. Well, then what's been your biggest success and what have you learned from that?
2: I think my biggest success has been... Trusting myself as a, a creative person, as an artist. And that means in going I know what I'm doing and I can do it well and I shouldn't shortchange myself Mm -hmm. just thinking just because I don't have all of the same tools as somebody down the street that can make something that I know how to make but I can't right now doesn't mean that I'm invaluable Mm -hmm. and so what that means is just finding the importance in the moment and in the success of I since I hand cut the charms that I make no one else can do that as in no one has hands that feel like mine that get so tired that some of these charms I put them out there and I'm like well that one's unique because I can tell (laughs) how how tired my hand was it wasn't as perfect as I wanted it to be but it's still there because that's important to me that people can see that that artist hand in something and um yeah yeah I like that Okay, so... Mm, final questions. Yeah,
0: <laughs> final questions. So what do you think makes Utah so special?
2: Me! No. Because I'm here. No. Leave that in there! That's so funny! I think you should just leave what me! Utah so special is the MoFaCo and Cat and the Downtown Farmers ah, Market. Shut up. Beep. Okay, well... We've talked about. I mean, Utah in of itself has this amazing opportunity for just individuality and creativity that you don't see anywhere else. That you're gonna see different small businesses covering anything you might need in every city. And I think that's incredible. You can go up to Salt Lake County and you're going to find a photography studio that is, I mean, just has the cutest name, has the cutest backdrops but then there's three more down the street and for some reason there's this opportunity that people can find that venue to do. And then when you come down, what was nice is that there was a very commercial feel to that and that's up north but it works. You see all of these new companies up on the billboards. I'm like, what what is this one what is that one and they have a lot to do with coding and software I mean yeah. it, I mean that in of itself you know that thought process is really interesting but then trying to find your place in that as an artist is something that you can find that in Utah still yeah. and what's nice is that I finally found a place where that's it works the best for me in Southern Utah, but without even looking for it. I mean, we moved here for a, a job for my husband. He wanted to do more fabricating. His cousin owns a custom furniture business here, and they needed a, a metal guy. And my husband was like, sure, yeah. I'll try it. And so we did. And that's what brought us here. But then when I got here, it was all those things that... Um, Utah can have these big metropolitan fields, but then everything is still, you can support small in those areas, but then in the more, not that St. George is small, but compared to where I've lived before, it's a little bit bigger, but it's just, it has that feeling of community still, but then that need to still thrive, with individuality, with the gumption they get from other people wanting to do their own thing and that it can be supported. And Utah does that. Yeah. Where if you have the drive and you don't, I mean, again, you don't have to do it all yourself. You don't have to have the best Instagram. You don't have to have the best marketing on your own, but you're going to find someone else who can help you support and do that. Yeah. That, I mean, and that is... I find peace in that, and I find that that's amazing. And if I would have tried to do this anywhere else, I don't think it'd be possible. Right. Good. Go, Utah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, then, leading into the next one, what's been your favorite part
2: about the Mofoco
1: community? I
2: think my favorite part is that we're... We're all genuinely in this for the same reason, as that since it's a nonprofit, that is a big deal. And now yeah. I've come to realize this is the third one I've been a part of. So for some reason, I need to look into that more about me. Yeah. And I am drawn to that opportunity to support and to be a part of something that, again, isn't completely there to, you know, to just be in the black all the time. Yeah. And that the Mofaco, I mean, It's, it's, I love being able to come to the store because I get studio time. um, But I love being here because I can be here and I can be the vendor that's over on those shelves. Mm -hmm. But then I can also be a creative, um, for someone else that's there for us to talk about things and to be part of that and how it's so easy because we're all doing that and then realizing that that's why we're all here and it's so it's so it's comfortable it's supportive i mean but then it's also successful like it's been in september and everything when this happened um a lot of us are like okay we're gonna do it and we're gonna see what happens but with COVID and everything else going on there's no I mean there's never any guarantee but yeah. especially with business stuff you're like who knows we're just gonna have to shut the doors again Yeah. but let's do this and just being committed like that and then knowing there's other people that committed and now we're still getting more vendors in that are wanting to be that committed it's just it's amazing yeah. it's being part of something alive growing and just full of creativity and, and good yeah. in a time that there needs to be so much more of that 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 is my favorite thing and I, I mean it's always going to be a thing
1: here I like here <laughs> <laughs> I
0: like it too that's good it's a great answers um that is a great answer um okay so do you have a favorite book publication or social media account that you find inspirational or profound I know you brought up a couple of books so we can we'll we will still have those in the show notes so if there's more
2: I mean honestly I'm When I get on social media, it's mainly for my kids at this point. And I just find other fun things. I'm like, this is for Kelly. This is for something else. So I don't, I'm not good about that. Like really reaching out and searching for something that I want to learn about. I'm very much book related still and comfortable that way. I'd much rather go to the library and look up something like my daughter's making a Viking ship and I'm like let's go find a book at the library about the type of ship you want to make instead of going onto the internet and looking at all these pictures and right. all of these things um, and so when it comes to just my art in general it's like I have my little stable of books but the one I've been reading most recently is that one um, The Death of the Artist um, being an artist um, in the the new age basically in the of, in the era of big business has been something I've needed to read and then understand more but, again, that's by um, William Resowitz. That's
0: awesome.
1: Why should people buy local food and support local farmers and makers?
2: Because it's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've, it's been exciting because we started doing this more. So, we make a Sunday roast. At like about once a month and I always come and get it from the store now Yeah, and everything and what was I found interesting is that yeah it's like I'm a vendor at the store so yes I know it's here but then having that knowledge that it's one of those things that this was grown locally this is something that's supporting you know the, the MoFaCo that I'm a part of but it's also supporting this individual and that it's we've all become so accepting of fast of fast food of fast clothing of fast technology of fast art even in of a sense of fast anything that Bath and Body Works of course is always going to beat us out on price for some of the lotions and stuff they have and what people hand make here but that it comes down to you know that quality in the handmade, hand-grown, hand-created is something that is on that spiritual level of need and necessity that most people don't understand anymore because we have the opportunity to get things so quickly.
0: If listeners want to learn more about what you're doing, um, how can they find you?
2: I laugh about that again. So I have an Instagram. At, so it's at MP Designs, um, KM. And then my Facebook is the same. Um, but... I am very behind and need help putting things up all the time instead of just <laughs> resharing and, re- you know, reposting the things that the MoFaCo does. But you can find me. Um, I don't have an Etsy, but you can find me on Facebook. I have a Facebook shop, um, MPA Designs KM, and then the same on Instagram and then on the MoFaCo mobile website. Yeah. Okay,
1: cool. And oh on the brick and mortar.
0: Yeah. Oh, yes, mm-hmm. and the brick and mortar. MoFaCoMobile.com.
2: Uh, a jingle I know
0: no we do not <laughs> oh <laughs> I'm just kidding
2: <laughs> yeah I made Teddy write us a jingle can you imagine have <laughs> my Uncle Mike i have Uncle Mike too <laughs> Uncle
1: Mike. <laughs> um is there anything else that we didn't cover that you would like to share I don't think so all right awesome oh, yeah well, well thank, thank you. you
2: you're welcome thanks you guys
1: yeah yeah
0: If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you found this podcast, especially on iTunes. If you have a specific question that you would like to ask us or our farmers, makers, or educators, send us an email at podcast at mofacoutah.com and let us know. Another way to support this podcast is by becoming a supporting member starting at only $2 a month. We have different levels of membership that grant access to special members-only swag like shirts, hats, bags, magnets, and stickers that show your support for your local community. To learn more, please visit
1: mofacoutah.com slash podcast slash support. Make sure you are following us on Facebook and Instagram at MoFACO Utah. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back in your feed in two weeks. But until then, we We hope hope to see you at the co-op. The music for this episode was created by Southern Utah local Jake Shepard.